wherever you are. Yeah, we're in. We're going to be turning into the book of John this evening, but let's just introduce ourselves, all those that are joining us, maybe for the first time across the globe. Wherever you are tonight, whatever your time zone is, whatever your situation is across the world, we want to thank you so much for joining us here at Elim Church in Swanee. Uh, we thank you so much for all the builders, the builders that are working tirelessly here um, to help us to get everything put in place. And you know, we're in this uh, new studio at the moment. There's still a lot of work going on, but to everybody uh, that shares all this stuff that we do, we just want to say thank you, thank you so much wherever you are. You're joining myself, Reverend uh, Benjamin Leonard Cooper here at Elim Church as we just gather around the mics. You can find us on Apple Music, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and so many other social media platforms. We thank you so much for joining us for this hour, maybe 45 minutes tonight. We'll see how we go. But wherever you are across the world, please share everything that we do. Please share it out. And uh, we'd love to have some feedback. It's quite a, a, a stretch tonight on the reading side of things on my behalf. But if you would, if you, would, if you could, uh, grab yourself a Bible and we're going to go into John chapter 21. We briefly touched this this morning. This was the scripture that I started off in this morning uh, in coffee and prayer. And um, it's been sitting in my spirit for most of the day in and out and just turning it over and thinking about it. Um, but let's just see what it says. It's, it's very interesting in the way that it's presented. It's very powerful the way that it comes across. So as we look at this scripture, as we, as we just unpack it, as God just reveals it to us tonight, I just pray that wherever you sit on the earth, wherever you sit in society and wherever you sit in culture, that you will just feel the blessings of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And you are saved and you are blessed and you are a child of the living God. And God is with you. Um, everybody's jumping online tonight. Thank you so much. We can see you hopping online. And uh, again and again and again, you'll keep hearing me saying this. I will keep repeating myself over this. We are so blessed that you are with us tonight, wherever you are. And we thank you from the depth of our heart for sharing everything uh, that we do here and on, on your social networks. And uh, we just give you uh, thanks tonight. We must say thank you so much to everybody that stayed with us, that's watching, and for all those uh, new people that are coming online as we start to push a little bit further into uh, the audio and into the visuals as we start to get there. But the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 21, John chapter 21, the greatest thing that anyone will ever invest in is in the Word of God, the paperback, the Word of God. As I said the other week, mine is quite torn, quite battered, you know, the cover's missing off it, I've got the index missing there, the spine of it, you know, is in a bit of a bit of a bit of a mess there but it, it feels right it feels comfortable you know I feel comfortable with this uh, it feels part of me and uh, I thank God for the written word the spoken word it's great to have the gadgets that we have in front of us you know I would say they're just just to get by they're just to get by but there's nothing finer than having um, <clears throat> excuse me a paperback version there's something wonderful about having a paperback version now the text that we're in tonight um is, is the first part of the text in verse 3 is really focusing on Simon Peter. It's really uh, a clear focus on the, on his attitude and the way that he is. But he, he just says a, a very simple and a very easy few lines, um, and it draws, it draws attention to one thing there, that it just shows how we can walk with Christ, we can be with Christ, we can spend hours with Christ through prayer, through fellowship, years and years of walking with him. And we've got to remember where Christ mentions so very, very clearly as he says to the audience and the disciples before him, it's okay for you because you're struggling to believe and I'm in front of you in, in visual form, in, in the format of a human being as in the flesh and the blood Christ. I'm standing before you now and it's hard enough for you to grasp it. But what about those that are far off? Now, Christ foreknew, um, obviously, once he was uh, taken into Christ, ascended up into the heavens above, he knew that once he was off of this earth, everything would be seen and can only be gone by and only go to is by faith. So that's why the scripture says the just shall live by faith. So that can be very, very difficult when our world is all visual and very materialistic and uh, tangible touchable surfaces sounds rhythms the drumbeat of life the circle of life all that sort of stuff is is all visual we can we we see everything everything is graphed through vision through touch through sensual perception but christ said it's okay for you 
and you're struggling at the moment with your faith and I am right before you but what about those that are far off not far off as in far off as in being saved but being far away from actually the thousands of years generation after generation just going by the word not having the privilege and not having uh that wonderful time that you've had with me where i walk this earth and you you minister with ministered with me you see me for 33 years and for those that was with me in that close-knit family uh, culture for 33 or more years around about there and then the disciples that was with him for maybe three years or whatever uh, the scriptures the timeline actually says about that but what's really 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 important is that Christ made a very clear statement you are going and you are struggling to believe me by sight and faith but what about those that are far off now that's us now obviously we are going by faith 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 is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is that is told and that is written about in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, now faith. What is faith? Faith is the vehicle, faith is the instrument, faith is the unseen vessel, faith is the, what is faith? We can't box it, we can't touch it, it's not tangible, but we know it exists, it's like the wind, the wind blows wherever it pleases, you can't see it, you can't, you can feel the touch, you can see the the evidence once the, the, the wind has gone through and you can see the evidence by the trees bending and the grass swaying and all that sort of stuff, it's the same with faith. It's unseen, but you can see and you can feel. And it, it, it's just like, is it tangible? Yes, it is in a roundabout way because it's within us. And it, it, so we are going by faith. And, and it's such a, a deep word, isn't it? Faith. What actually is faith? So when Christ is speaking to this audience, I'm also drawing our attention to Simon uh, Peter, this character that just said, listen, I've seen the Messiah crucified. We walked with him for a number of years. You know, my dreams have gone. My hopes have gone. Everything seems to have disappeared. I just feel like I've lost my focus. So I'm going to go back. So let's read the scripture. Excuse me. Let's go from verse one. Yes, I can see the timeline. Faith is very challenging. Faith is challenging. Because what faith does, it stretches us out of our comfort zone. It stretches us out of the earth suit. It stretches us out of the physical realm. And it puts us into the complete hands of faith. It puts us into the position of where we do not go by the physical contact. We do not go by the physical touch. We don't go by the the physical hold. We don't go by the physical uh, walk. We are going by faith. The just shall live by faith. I believe the timeline of today and for now and forevermore until Christ calls us home it is the hardest time for a believer to go by faith. And I'm not referring to the, the world and the persecuted church. I'm just talking to about anyone that is going by faith because what the world is offering is is completely opposite to what, what the Bible is saying. So what, what is offered there is completely different. And we are not going by what the world is saying and what, what, by what the world is doing. But our eyes are on the world, not that we're engaging and living in and by the world, but we can't help but see the activity and the physical destruction of what the world is doing. We can't help but hear, hear uh, the physical destruction almost of what's going on in the world. So our eyes and our ears are are very powerful instruments, very powerful parts of the body where our eyes lock on our what is in front of our vision in our focus and everything before us. So it's really important that, that I have to rise in my faith. Now, the scripture says, now faith, now faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is uh, being sure of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1, that is. But let's go and let's start the reading as we're in very clearly. We are in right now to John chapter 21, verse 1, and we'll, we'll go down to the end of around about verse 14, maybe just around about there. 14 verses, not enough time left. After Jesus appeared to them, uh, to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it appeared this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel uh, from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two 
other disciples were together. So there was a few of them together. Verse 3 of John chapter 21. I am going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, and that, that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shoreline, and the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did this, they was unable to haul this net in because of the large number of fish they caught. Then the disciples whom, sorry, then the disciple, sorry, whom Jesus loved, uh, looked and said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, uh, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, um, for there was, they was not far from the shoreline, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire burning of coals, uh, with the fish on that, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the whole net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many with the net and on the net, it was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and he, and he gave it to them. And when he had did this, he'd done it the same as the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So the last line of that, let's look at that, after he was raised from the dead. So to get a clear understanding and maybe a, a logical reason and, a, and an earthly understanding and maybe a purpose of, of why would I want to go back fishing even though I'd been with the Messiah, I'd been walking walking with him, let's just say for three years or so, seeing miracles. He'd called me on the shoreline where I was fishing. He, he had spoken into my life. Um, I dropped my nets. That's very important to understand that these are the same guys that dropped their nets and went and followed Jesus. So there was something about Christ's word. There was something very powerful about his word that was drawing that you couldn't say no to Jesus. And I love that thought that you can't say no to Jesus when, when Jesus speaks over you, when Jesus speaks into you, when Jesus speaks through you, you know, it's just like the Geno, uh, uh, Jonah scenario. Uh, you can run, you can run, you can run, you can exhaust yourself, you can throw yourself over the life uh, of the boat, uh, over the edge, you can destroy your life, you can do this, you can do that, you can, uh, you can run, but you cannot hide, you cannot run from Christ. And that is so powerful, that is so glorious to know that God is always with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? So here we have ordinary people in ordinary lives, fishing, living in ordinary situations, could be living in poverty, could be struggling with their business, could be struggling with family, struggling uh, with the lifestyle that they was in. They've been fishing out. They knew what it was like to fish. We understand that it was a very cutthroat business, fishing. There was there was all fishermen, fishermen, the carpenters, a blacksmith and, and different trades. So what is really interesting here, as you look at Simon Peter, as you look at the disciples, the church, I'll say religion, puts them in the stone glass window of the church and it and it makes them look like these to be such saintly, such godlike figures, such pure, so beautiful, untouchable. Isn't it interesting how religion dresses something up into something it isn't? And when the sun shines through the stained glass window, you look at that and the brightness and the brilliance of it. And you look at that and, you, and, and I don't know about you guys, but you, you ponder. And sometimes I ponder and think, how great was those saints when actually what the church and religion portrays and lifts them up to be that isn't the true character that you see in the stained glass window of the church because the true character is in the word of God. And the one that we are looking at very, very clearly here is a very interesting character. Simon Peter, it says afterwards, Jesus appeared to them to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. 
And then it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, and Nathaniel uh, from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder. You know, the, the, the guys, that their, their language, their vocabulary was very strong. They were powerful men. They were fishermen. They was, they was rough. They was tough. Do you know what I mean? They'd been out in all the elements. You know, so when you look at these characters to the stained glass window characters, there's such a difference between the religious painting of the brush and what Christ's spoken word is about the character so that's really interesting to know that that the characters that I read about are real human beings that lived in real life scenarios that really had trouble that really had situations breaking out in their lives and when we see how Simon Peter reacts to what was going on I can get an understanding because this is not that saint up in the stained glass window this is the fisherman that walked with Christ this is the man that walk with him this is the the brothers the sons of thunder zebedee this is the characters that we are looking at these are real life characters this is me this is you this is family this is life this is real life scenarios this is not the stained glass window of religion that you look up and and you ever looked up there and thought that's untouchable you know I, i can't get near that that is so big and so powerful and religion paints them in such a way where you think oh my goodness they got crowns on they got light everywhere they're so godly they're so saintly when actually when you look at this text so clearly this is where doubt comes in now how do you know doubt comes in it doesn't say anything about doubt it doesn't anything it say anything of the such in the text but what it does do it makes a clear uh, definition of what he's going to do he says i'm going out to fish peter told them and they said we'll go with you so they went out they got in the boat and at that night they caught nothing so for him to go back now remember let's let's remember this character this character fished it it, it was his livelihood it was his profession it was his business it was everything it put bread on the table it put food in the bellies it put shoes on the kids feet it paid the gas it paid the electric it paid the wi-fi i know what you're saying they didn't have wi-fi they didn't have electric but you know what i am saying it paid the household bills they were fishermen it was their business it was their lifestyle they was characters they was hardened to the weather they knew the weather they knew everything about the system of life you know, when you think about these characters, so now, why why would this character suddenly say, I'm going out to fish? Because he wanted to go back. He wanted to go back because maybe he felt that he was let down. Maybe when he looked at the cross of Calvary and he, he thought, what is this Messiah? This, this Messiah has spoken to us. We'd seen miracle after miracle. Why... Why is Jesus on this cross? He's supposed to be the son of God. He, he's the miracle man. He's the, he's the king. He came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. And, and, and he spoke all his prophetic word in. Uh, and I've seen miracle after miracle. And I've, I've watched this, this Jesus. I, I spent time with this Jesus. And then suddenly Jesus is on the cross. And almost to the human eye, it looks like we've lost him. What is all this about? I, I, I think I will put it a bit raw like this. Have you ever been so close to Jesus? And then suddenly you feel like there's, a, there's been a disappearing act. God, where, where are you? I just had a miracle and I, I just felt you close to my heart. And it was almost like I was walking with you. And I could feel your love and your glory and your presence. And God, you was, you was here, but Lord, suddenly you're gone and I, I'm, I'm left in my life. God, wh- wh- where are you? Where are you, God? Where are you, Jesus? I'm, I'm still walking this earth, God. I'm going back to fish. Because I see. Now, an interesting scripture is is in verse 14. Verse 14 of John 21. Uh, I'm going to answer a question before. uh, I'm going to say this before I'm I'm asked the question. Why do you say, every time you preach or teach, this is an interesting question. The reason I say that is I understand that from Genesis to Revelation, everything is interesting and powerful. But when God is speaking, it becomes interesting interesting in just that dialogue just in that that context just in that because god is speaking just to us here so yes i'm aware that the platform and and the full word of god old to new testament it is all interesting it's all supernatural but what is relevant is not 
all of it at this moment in time it is only this piece so it is only these few words that become relevant and become powerful and become uh, a revelation so this is why i say this this text is really interesting yes the whole bible is interesting yes the whole word of god is powerful Sorry. Yes, the whole word of God is spoken life, is is rhema word, is written word. Yes, it is the word of God. So yes, it is all interesting. But when I'm in one text, when you're in one text, suddenly that text becomes more alive than anywhere else in the word of God. Have you ever had a moment when you've been looking and reading the word and it becomes like a river? Suddenly it seems to flow like like glittering, like glittering jewels in the in the sunlight. It becomes like a crystal. It seems to move and just glimmers with greatness and power it seems to come alive off the page that's because the holy spirit is is revealing so it is interesting here because we are in this text we're not in the rest of it so every time we switch from text to text it it comes alive in its own way so each text is as interesting as the other part of the text because that text is relevant for us at this moment so verse 14 is powerful because it's relevant to what we are reading now John chapter 21 verse 14. Uh, This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when I when I just succinctly and uh, scripturally and methodically and uh, in an ideal thinking and thought processing, even if I was to go along the psychological processing and if I was to go through the cognitive mapping of my mind and just think about this logically, the scripture says in verse 14, uh, this was now the third time, the third time, interesting, three, the third time that Christ was revealed, the Messiah was revealed. Uh, He appeared three times. That can be confusing. Suddenly, Jesus is on the cross. The Calvary. Uh, we see darkness enter, and through the scripture, we see the other the other week, the other Sunday morning, when when Christ said, "Let darkness have its moment." Darkness will have its hour where darkness will reign. So we've got to understand that these guys have come through a spiritual turbulence. Because when you look at the cross and crucifixion, darkness just covered. The temple uh, curtain was torn in two. Thunder, lightning. The dead came out of the graves in certain areas. You can imagine the spiritual atmosphere. So you can imagine the human being seeing this Messiah going watching the crucifixion in the brutality of that execution in which it was just the brutalness of a crucifixion let alone seeing the the king the king of kings the king of the jews crucified and then suddenly you hear this voice coming over it is finished And then suddenly silence and the spiritual atmosphere is stirred and and almost the devils in hell think that they're rejoicing. But that was only the hour that God, that Christ, that the Holy Spirit gave them because darkness fell at that point. But I've got to remind myself that Jesus is still in complete control because he said it is finished. So suddenly I can understand why these human beings are feeling and and understanding where is this Messiah? I thought he was going to live forever. I thought he was going to do more miracles. I thought that he was going to climb off the cross of Calvary and walk with us again. But suddenly he's died. Suddenly they've taken him off the tree of Calvary. Suddenly they've come along and they've wrapped him up in linen and they've taken him to that borrowed tomb and suddenly they've rolled the stone over and suddenly he's dead for three days. This Jesus, this Messiah. So you can understand in the thinking and the natural ability of the human mind, these characters must have been thrown off point so much because the spiritual atmosphere was so strong at the crucifixion, you know, and then all of a sudden when Christ said it is finished and it was finished and the silence just came back, the silence after Christ said it is finished, gone, the sun rose again. The wind began to blow. They took Christ off the cross at Calvary. And then suddenly life is 
beating again. The heart is running in life. We understand that, that even the time, time does not stop. So all the time this is happening without anyone in the audience fully understanding of what is happening, that this Messiah, this King, the King of the Jews, the King of the Jews is, is on the cross of Calvary and he said it is finished. And then we thought he was going to live forever. We thought he was the savior of the world. And and the soldiers and the church and religion and the nows and the beating and the slapping and everything, it has taken his life. I don't think the audience around could understand that when Christ said it is finished, this was for our benefit, not so much the audience before him, because they knew the brutality of the crucifixion would literally just wipe anyone out in a few hours. But suddenly the soldiers pierce his side, blood and water flow from his side. That is very powerful alone that is scripture on its own blood and water running together and the scripture says not one of his bones will be broken so we got prophecy happening right up to the cross up to the the tree of calvary right up to the cross we got prophecy being fulfilled and then this messiah is died he is gone on the cross of calvary they take his body off they take him to a tomb so now i get a bit of an understanding a glimmer of why simon peter said do you know what do you know what do you know what do you know what I've had enough. I've had enough. I can't cope with a spiritual atmosphere. I can't cope and I can't perceive this, that this Messiah that I thought was going to save me and help me has, has suddenly died. Death has taken him. But they didn't and they couldn't understand and they would never see where we are. We are looking back down the historical timeline and we can see all these events and, and we got this crescendo of, of stuff that happened up to the cross of Calvary. But all they were seeing what was happening before their eyes now. Does this sound familiar to me and to you? When you look back down at history, you can go, I can see Christ moving. We look down at the chronological timeline of the scripture and I'm not referring to as um, uh, we were, uh, they was told uh, Lot's, like, Lot's wife was don't put your hands to the plow and look back. I'm not referring to that. But what I'm referring back to at the moment is when you look back down the timeline of Scripture, when you study it, when you do some Christology and you do some expository studying and you do some uh, ex, uh, some reading where the Holy Spirit takes you deeper and the Spirit of God takes you in the old and the new. But when you go back and you look back chronologically and you go all the way back through, you can see very clearly that these events were unfolding. But what we've got to understand is that Simon Peter, John and everyone in the audience of this couldn't see any further than the other side of the cross. But we're on the other side of the cross, so it's, we can look back. They could not look forward. They could not see what we could see now because we can look back. They could not see any further than every second millimeter of life in, in front of them because the human being doesn't have the capabilities and doesn't have that, that, that way of looking into the future with your eyes. You know, I understand visions and dreams. I understand prophecy have been foretold and, and foresposed. I understand that. I, I grasp all that. But, but now we are 2,000 years and so up the line timeline of the chronological scripture of the word of god but then when i look back it's easy to look back and go oh yeah 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 but where they was i got to put myself where they was looking at this cross looking at this jesus of nazareth looking at the one that had the plaque above his head with the crown of thorns on him with the nails in his hands that said king of the jews this is supposed to be the king, the saviour of the world. And he's gone. And silence. The soldiers, the chief priests, the, the Levitical priesthood, the, the organisation, Herod Pilate, the soldiers, a culmination of wording and language and action and strength and power and authority. The authority has taken the king of the Jews. So when I, I look at this character in verse 3, I'm going out to fish. Now this has a bit more of a foundation upon me. Because also the scripture says in verse 14, it was the third time that Christ appeared to the disciples. Have you heard? They've seen Jesus. Mary, Martha, we, we've seen Jesus. 
the ones that was on the Emmaus road where their hearts were beating and they knew that there was something different about this man walking with them. But the scripture says, Christ, the, the word of God, God stopped them from having their eyes open to see that the one that they was walking with was with was Christ, that they wasn't able to see him, even though they was walking with him. I find that spiritually challenging, that you can walk with him and you know that you're walking with him, but you can't actually see him because it was kept he was kept from the understanding of who he was they knew that this this phys, this physical character this character was walking with them they knew that that this man who was this person because the scripture says their hearts were beating but then suddenly they was it was revealed to them that that was Jesus so suddenly all around the town all around the villages all around the surrounding area Christ is being revealed and Christ is is revealing himself to to ones to twos to five hundreds to Christ is being revealed so the word is getting round Jesus what do you mean Jesus how can this be he he was on the cross of Calvary yeah but haven't you heard the stone had been rolled away Mary and Martha and John they they ran down to the tomb and he's not there where where is he and then those that see him heard the voice see the angelic being sitting there saying why are you looking for the living among the dead that is what religion is doing now that's what religion is looking for it's gone to the old place when jesus is gone christ has removed himself from the tomb but religion wants to stay in the tomb worshiping where he did lay worshiping the mortuary bed worshiping his clothes worshiping the symbolism of where he was when the angel said he's not here he has risen See, the believers know that he's risen. The religious organization stays in the tomb and it looks at the grandeur of the tomb and says and makes more reference to the stone bed that he laid on. Here's his clothes. This is where he laid. Look at this. Look at the fine art. And it's always drawing from where Christ was. And they can't keep up with him because he has moved. Christ is I'm going to use the word fluid just to get this across and maybe a little bit easier. Christ is always moving. Christ is is always continually moving ahead. He's in our, he, yes, we can say he's in our history. He's in our present and he, he's, in our, uh, he's in our future. He's in our destiny. So Christ is omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's in all. He created all. He's, he's about time. He's before time. He's in time. He's time itself. But religion is staying in the tomb and looking at where he was. Where has he gone? So suddenly I get a bit of an understanding in the human side of me and I can quite say, I understand why Simon Peter and the crowd was disturbed. You cannot be at such a spiritual encounter and not have your natural mind thrown all over the place. To us, to, to be with him for three years or so, or more, to walk with him, to eat with him, to rest with him, to drink, to sit, to be still, to be in the olive grove with him, to, to watch him break bread, to tell us that I have come, that I am the bread of life, I am I am, I am. And then suddenly the I am is on the cross of Calvary. This has thrown me, Lord. And then suddenly the heavens are erupting. The spiritual atmosphere is so strong and so powerful. It is moving the earth, the the sun, darkness, everything seems to happen. The, uh, The spiritual demonic forces would have heightened up because they thought that we've got the we've got the one that says he is look he has died he has gone on the cross of calvary he is flesh he is not the son of god he is just a man but after three days on the third day on the third day 
when God breathed into the lungs of his son, when the angelic heavenly hosts were commanded to go to sit, one at the head and one at the, the foot, this is really important for me to understand is where he laid. We serve a risen God, a risen king, a, a, a risen Messiah. Our God is alive. Our God is, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Our Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, our God, our King is alive. The grave, the grave is empty. There is no marker, no more. Yes, I understand in Israel, there are certain places where we can go and go, this is where he laid. We are so good at worshipping historical stuff and paying more attention to historical than what God is doing now. Because God says in the Old Testament, I'm doing a new thing. When are you doing it? I'm doing it now. I'm the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. But don't keep looking back in my history. Look into what is before, because the best is yet to come. So what we have is Simon Peter was looking into historical events rather than drawing on the strength that he is the Messiah. He told us that he must go. He told us that he will ascend. He told us that he will come back. They didn't hang on to that. They just went fishing. And the church has gone fishing. A mass percentage of religion has gone fishing and is casting its nets. A very interesting part of this text, again the word interesting, a very powerful spiritual part of this text that we are being drawn to now is where they went fishing all night and they caught nothing. The church, certain parts of religion, certain ministries are capturing nothing because they're fishing in darkness and they're fishing all night and they are doing something that Christ said to correct. Fish on the right side. Cast your nets on the right side of the boat. So if we was just to take these characters that was in this boat for a moment, these characters were hardened fishermen. They grew up, they was taught, they, they knew nature, they knew how the wind would blow, they knew how the waves would, would react to the weather, the structure, they, they knew their boats, they knew their nets, they, this, was their, this was their stomping ground, this was them, they were fishermen, they were skilled, they were professional, they were schooled in this game. So when they fished, they knew what they was doing. It's a bit like the church. It thinks it knows what it's doing, but it's fishing on the right side, wrong side, sorry, of the vessel that it's in. It's fishing where they think it should be fishing. It's looking at what they know in their skill set in what they think is going to catch fish. What did Christ say? He said, I will make you fishers of men. You will, you will see salvation. He used the, he used the analogy. He used the story form. It's, it's really great the way, it's really powerful the way Christ would use agriculture. He would use the landscape. He would use the environment. He would use the, the Sea of Galilee. He would use the shoreline. He would use the boat. He would use the, the nets. He would, he would use what they had in front of them in their life. He would use that to bring, and I, 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 I say this in very carefully and very respectfully, in a story form because when when he spoke to the farmers when he spoke to those that was working the land he would speak in arable language he would speak in farming language he would speak about plowing he would speak about the the seed falling on ground soft ground hard ground when he spoke and, and when he got through to the to the to the fishermen he would he would speak about the waves he would speak about fishing on a so he would use their lifestyle he would use their skill sets to teach them how to walk correctly with him. So here we have a very interesting part that we have right before our very eyes. These hardened, skilled, professional fishermen went out to fish. They went out to fish, I would say, probably in confusion. They went out to fish in probably being their minds uh, disturbed. They went out to fish being 
confused in, in, in the understanding of life because coming back to what we've been looking at, their Messiah was on the cross of Calvary. Suddenly he's in, he's in the tomb. Suddenly the tomb is empty. We've heard rumors. We've heard fact that we have seen angelic heavenly hosts. What do you mean you've seen angels? Where have you seen angels? They, they, was, they was in the tomb where he was. And the angel said he was dead, but he's alive. He holds the keys. He's not here. He has risen. I think the church and religion and and what we see today has got to get a grasp on the understanding that this Messiah, this God, this King, this Jesus, he's alive. So why am I looking for him in stone buildings? Why am I looking for him in the grave of yesterday where he had moved, where he had done a miracle? Why am I looking at what he had done and not what looking at what faith is saying? Now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What can this be? How can this be? How can faith be the evidence of things not seen? What is faith? Faith in Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the message, through the word of God. Faith comes through hearing the word. Why is the cheap? Uh, well, so why is the cheap? Sorry. What? Look, can can I can I be a bit, maybe a bit, a bit close to the edge at the moment? I I I, I I'm going to try and say this very politely and very carefully. I wouldn't like to say how much or what percentage I could put on this. But when I look across the platform of all denominations, I believe there's a lot of biblical illiteracy. I believe that the church is very is very weak in the Bible. I really I really believe that it's illiterate. It doesn't Read now. I'm not saying this about any human being that I'm talking to, speaking with at this moment, but I, I'm referring to denominations. I'm f- referring to the wider brushstroke, and you might say, "Well, why are you saying that? It's the church." But what church is it? That is the question. What church? What church are you? What do you represent? What are you? What are you believing in? What is the doctrine that you're standing on? What, where is your foundation? What are you building on? What is the fundamental points are you referring to? Because anyone can call themselves a church. Anyone can call themselves a Christian. Anyone can use the language because language is easy to use. But when I want to live the language I speak, then it changes all and it changes everything. So I can speak about I am a believer I can say I am in a church, but what church am I in? What am I listening to? Who am I listening to? What denomination am I coming under? So I would I, I will say again, I do believe there's a there's a massive percentage of religion, church, movements, whatever way you want to look at it, of, of biblical illiteracy. I do believe that. And the reason I say that is because when I look at the, the bigger thumbprint of denominations, they're off. They're off, they're off on, the, on the wrong curve. They're off on the, on the wrong sweet round. But if there is biblical, clear biblical doctrine, clear biblical teaching, that changes everything. Strong biblical foundational principles of Christ. Now, I am looking at lifestyle choices. My lifestyle choices don't match. My thoughts, my thinking don't match what the scripture says. But I am working process. My life, I'm on a journey of walking very differently with Christ, of, of allowing Christ to shape me, to mould me, 
to, to bend me, to shape me into the vessel, vessel that he's chosen, chosen for me to be. But for me to be that vessel that he's chosen me to be is that he needs to remove from me all those areas of my life that are, that are dead pieces of wood that are, that are just, that I'm hanging on to that you are the vine dresser. You are the gardener. Strip back everything from me that is not producing fruit. So lifestyle choices, I really, I, I think as we grow and as we move and as we uh, quicken in our faith and as, and as we walk more in the Word, I, I believe God reveals the lifestyle choices that we have and what we're taking. He reveals that to us. And even though we've walked in that lifestyle choice and we've made a decision, it might be okay in our life, but it might look different to someone else's life. What we've got to make sure is that we don't be too brutal on ourselves because when the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit opens our heart up and this is where the power of redemption and the power of forgiveness and the power of repentance comes in. See, as I walk more with Christ, as I walk more in his word, suddenly I find that choices that I make, that I've made, that I've looked at, that I've lived in, that I'm living in and I'm walking in, are not quite in line with God's word. But that is the journey and that is the circle of life. That is the circle of life because every one of us on on this earth, every one of us that walks the terra firma of life, every one of us that that treads the boards of, of life, every one of us that lives and works and breathes, there are always decisions that we make in haste or decisions we make on the flip of a coin or or worldly thoughts or we are making decisions on a on a quick thought process suddenly we find out hang on god i I didn't realize that by doing that that's done that that's opened up that that has made that worse that so i think we need to be very very careful when we look at ourselves and say god help me god help me why am i walking like this as we walk closer with him and the Holy Spirit reveals himself to us and he opens our heart up and the scripture is revealed to us, then suddenly we go, Lord, I'm sorry that I've said that. Lord, I'm sorry I treated that person like that. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry that I made that lifestyle choice. I, I wasn't thinking right. But do you know what is so beautiful about our lives and everything that's going on in my life now and everything going on in your life now? Christ knew these things would go on before we decided to live and to move in those things. Because he said, before you even spoke, before you even came into, before you even lived your life, before uh, you, you, you walked everything that you said, I saved you before all that. So we are saved before we even pressed the boards of life, before we walked down uh, the wide road, the narrow path, the wide road. Does anybody ever walk the narrow path and then suddenly find I'm back on a broad path? Suddenly I'm on the Las Vegas strip again. God help me. Repentance. Lord, bring me back to the narrow path. And then when you come back to the narrow path, have you noticed that that narrow path gets tighter and tighter and tighter because all of us all of us have sinned and fallen short of his glory what we find is that when we find ourselves on the on the on the road lit up by glitz and ga- glamour again and oh lord i've made a, a decision that's put me back on the on the the the, the worldly road help me jesus as we come back on the narrow path as we come back time and time and time again and as christ uses the holy spirit and as the holy spirit works through us and as the holy word of god works through us and as the holy word of god uh strips us and and brings us to that place we suddenly realize that the narrow path is really narrow that it's really narrow so as we mature and as we walk, we suddenly start to find that the narrow path becomes narrower and narrower and narrower. Um, and suddenly that is because the Holy Spirit is revealing more, revealing more, revealing more, revealing more, revealing more. And, and we want to please Christ and we want to walk right with Christ. And, and suddenly we got conviction of sin, of, of words that we have said and not forgiven that person. But I haven't forgiven them 15 years ago. But now why has it come up? That is because Christ is is saying it's a root and there is so much stuff that is rooted that wasn't dealt with 
back then, not because Christ did not deal with it, but because very interestingly, our characters have to go through an enduring stage and suddenly when Christ gives us the soul, soul, why do you persecute me moment when I'm talking about that Damascus road when suddenly God is revealed to us, suddenly we got all this baggage and all this stuff in the, in the trunk of the car of life and in the boot and everything going, God, I didn't realize this was all here. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. You know, so I understand and I can see the, the human side in this character, why he said, I'm going back fishing. I'm going back. But then Jesus knows that they didn't catch anything. We've got, we got to press in this because the time is just escalating out, out of control. Now, this is what Jesus says to them. He says in verse 5, he said, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Lord, I, I just want to say something to you now, Jesus. I know you said that to them, but I also know that you know they didn't catch anything. That's you know the way Christ. Now we we can we can see some some beautiful scriptures and some beautiful dialogue and some beautiful conversations that Christ has had with the disciples that we can only laugh at that. And a moment ago, do you know what, Lord, you knew that they wasn't going to catch anything because you're by. So it's interesting when we read it from where we are because. They didn't know who he was, but they thought they might have known who he was. So that makes me that makes me smile a little bit, that does. He shouts out, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Hang on, Jesus. Hang on a minute, Lord. How can I be on the right side of the boat? Because Simon Peter is there. Thomas called Didymus, is facing me. So his left and right are completely the opposite to my left and right. The two sons of Zebedee are over there. One's laying out, stretched out. He's looking up to the stars. He's reading the newspaper. He's not really interested. He's fed up and he's angry. So everybody's right and left side is different to the character before them. So as Christ is speaking to them, the right side of the boat, that is a very interesting part of this text. Throw your nets on the right side. What an interesting, powerful scripture that is. But Lord, I have Didymus, called Thomas, standing in front of me. I'm Simon Peter. Suddenly, Didymus, Simon, suddenly Thomas is there. So as I look at him, his right is the left my right is it it's it's not the same because it's the lord what 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 god how 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 can this be because we're all at different angles we're all at different places on the vessel the king james says on the ship uh, on on the boat it says where we are so they're all at different angles so the rights and the lefts are just different but that is what is so powerful about christ what he's saying there is don't fish how you used to fish. You've got to change. If you listen to clear instruction, you're doing the same, but you're doing it differently because I'm telling you how to do it. It's your skill set has now been taken out of your hands. You're coming under instruction. So I'm working with you and through you. So now you're not going in your own strength, you're going under instruction, but you're doing what you are and what you was familiar with, but now you're doing it for me. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did so, they was unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Oh my Lord. Oh my Lord Jesus. Instruction is so critical for the church. Instruction brings salvation. Not because very simply and uh, interestingly because the church has the power to save, but what the church starts to see is, is the power of God working through the instrument that he chose to watch and to see the body of Christ grow. So 
as a human being, I'm saved, I'm blood washed, but now I'm fishing for Jesus. I'm living with Jesus. Now, they didn't change their jobs. They just fished differently. It was still the human on the vessel. It was still Simon Peter. It was still uh, the sons of Zebedee. It was still Thomas. It was still the disciples. It was still them. They were still fishing. They were still living. They were still doing. They were still performing. They were still going. They were still acting. But now it had Christ's word over it in that and through that. (laughs) It's just so powerful. When I do what I do under instruction from whom I listen to, suddenly the mundane things of life and the general press of life suddenly becomes a miracle net. Suddenly becomes a net that is the same net, but it looks very different, and it's brimming over with what? The net was brimming over with miracles. What was that net, and how did that net change their lives? That net changed their lives because that net made their business grow that net that 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 large miracle bless them their families the community isn't it interesting they were still fishermen they were still fishing but they fished with jesus not on their own massive text i pray that wherever you are as we come to a close tonight that we just say lord Show me how to fish differently. Show me, Lord, how to come under instruction. Because we are living in a very high spiritual environment. Our faith gets knocked. Our thinking gets uh, dislodged. Our cultural press is broke. Policies are failing. Cultures are slipping. Denominations are sliding. You know, it feels like we're on on a on a on a vessel that's being knocked about in a storm. It's almost a seasick seasick sensation. You know, there's this turbulence. We're being blown to this way and that way. We're being knocked this way, that way. We're almost feeling that we're 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 unstable on our feet. Life will be life, but life is very different. Life will be life, and life will be the same, but not the same. But it will look the same because. Now, when I come to Christ, I have the supernatural God speaking in to my same process. When God speaks into the same process, the same physical realm, when God says, give me that net, listen to me, you're going to do business the same as you think that you are doing it the same, but listen to me and I will tell you how to do what you do. Watch. Live your life. But listen to how I tell you to live your life. Walk, but walk how I tell you to walk. Everything was the same on the boat. They just came under instruction. The power of Christ's instruction. What am I? Who am I? Where do you want me to be? As the scripture says, the eye is needed, the arm is needed, the leg is needed, the ear is needed. What part in the body of Christ am I? Am I the right part in the right position? What is your calling on my life, Lord? What church should I be in? What denomination should I be in? Should I should I be a minister? Are you calling me to the to the to the pulpit? Are you calling where are what are you, what are you doing? Lord, show me, speak to me, deal with me. Fishing was still fishing. But the fishing changed because the supernatural God spoke into their nets and they could not carry the blessing. The blessing was too big. They needed help to get the blessing in. May God bless you and strengthen you wherever you are across the world tonight. May the Holy Spirit bring you to a place of peace. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May his word take you further into your destiny Christ is for us who can be against us 
let's be spirit led let's be led by the word of God let's say Lord take my life and use my life Lord I want to be an instrument for your glory Lord use me keep me in the garden of Gethsemane strip me back see their fishing was still fishing their boat was still the boat they were still the characters they was but they fished different they listened and they acted so father tonight i pray that we will listen that we will act to your word drive out all fear and doubt lord come holy spirit refresh us we pray lord in jesus name amen thank you so much thank you so so much for staying with us through lockdown you can find us on apple music amazon music iHeartRadio, spotify buzzsprout just type in reverend ben cooper's podcast and you will find everything that we've been doing please share everything out go through the podcast ransack them listen to them challenge me on what i say and what the others are saying and what they're bringing to the table and bringing to the mics let's come as the scripture says come let us reason together let us talk about the word we're not meant to be arguing you know we've got to be very careful about the word apologetics you know it is not meant to be arguing and to be thrusting it upon anyone come let us reason together may god strengthen you tonight for this day and forevermore i thank you for the power of the holy spirit that's with you may his word strengthen you in jesus name Amen. God bless.